electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The Blockbuster IPO is back. Companies like Arm and Instacart that are already established important players in the American economy, they were uninvestable for the ordinary investor until now. But if history is any guide, they might want to proceed with caution. This week on Tech Jack, why retail investors should beware the Blockbuster IPO. Instacart is a household name. It launched more than a decade ago and it brought grocery shopping online. Arm designs the chips that power 99% of all smartphones. So it's tempting to finally own a piece of them. But the blockbuster IPOs of the last few years suggest that buying on IPO day has turned out to be terrible timing. Airbnb, Snowflake, DoorDash, Toast, Coupon, UiPath, Rivian, those are seven of the biggest IPOs of the last few years. The retail investors that jumped to own a piece of them on IPO day, they have all lost money. In fact, if they had just bought the S&P that day, they would have seen dramatically better returns. Even for the so-called smart money, the connected institutional investors that bought shares at the IPO price and got into the underwriters' books for a coveted allotment of shares, five out of the seven listings have been losses for them. There's a few reasons for this. One, tech startups, they're staying private for longer. In the past, companies that we think of now as big tech, they went public when they were so relatively small. Amazon at a $300 million market cap, Microsoft at almost $800 million, and Apple at $1.8 billion. Compare that to Instacart, going public at nearly $10 billion, and Arm at a more than $54 billion valuation. The old way of doing things and going public meant that retail and institutional investors had an opportunity to buy a real startup, a true disruptor that was in the early stages of growth. But over the last decade, as interest rates approached zero, venture capital, private equity, sovereign wealth funds, they had the means to essentially throw money at modern tech startups, boosting valuations and, in many cases, pushing out profitability. By the time these companies hit public markets, they were mature, their best growth days already behind them, and retail investors were left picking at the scraps. Billionaire investor Ken Griffin says that because of these market conditions, there are even fewer scraps to pick through. I think this is a tragic mistake that we're making on behalf of American investors because for the average family, they don't have a chance to invest in the startups or the mid-sized companies that become the apples of today. I mean, people forget Apple went public at a very modest valuation. People have had their entire retirements defined by being an early investor in Apple or Amazon or Microsoft. By making our public markets less attractive for issuance, we're taking those stories away from the American investor. And he says that's especially true when it comes to retail investors getting exposure to new technologies like artificial intelligence. There's very few public opportunities to invest in generative AI. In fact, this is one of the challenges that we have today in our public capital markets is there are fewer companies that are publicly traded today than 20 years ago. There's roughly 1,200 unicorns according to CNBC. Those are companies that would usually have been public companies. They're not today. Some of this has been the backdrop. It's been a harder environment to go public. But some of this is the backdrop that we've made it less attractive to be public. 
Low interest rates over the last decade have also delayed IPOs by flooding the private markets with money. Stopping Andreessen Horowitz, Tiger Global, they had billions of dollars to offer at favorable terms, so why go public at all? But when interest rates started rising in 2022, many of those startups and their backers were caught flat-footed. Their valuations were based on a financial model called discounted cash flow, which measures the present value of a company by using future cash flows. That lets a startup that isn't profitable still get a juiced up valuation based on projections of how much it will generate in the future. But when interest rates climb, cash now is worth more than potential cash in the future, and the model falls apart. All of those growth startups pitching future earnings, they had to scramble to reprioritize profits that they could point to right now. Investors wanted that profitability, and they were using price-to-earnings ratios, or EBITDA ratios, to mark losses, no longer DCF, discounted cash flow. Valuation compression, it happened quickly and mercilessly in public markets. High growth but low margin or negative margin businesses saw their valuations cut by 70, 80, 90%. It coincided with the normalization of the economy post-pandemic. So names like Affirm, DocuSign, Snap, all lost 80 to 90% of their valuations. Here's venture capitalist Bill Gurley on the shift. And unfortunately, it's highly cyclical. And when you and and it tends to go up slowly and it tends to crash immediately. And there was massive multiple contraction writ large across the industry and the companies have to navigate it. They can't magically wish for the valuation they once had because it's not actually related to how they're operating. It's just that the industry has been completely repriced. Uber was founded in 2009 and it feasted on venture capital money for a decade, raising more than 20 billion dollars over 15 funding rounds all while putting off profitability and deepening its losses when it finally went public in 2019 at 45 dollars a share it immediately dropped closing more than eight percent below that it has only just surpassed that price by a few dollars and that amounts to a measly seven percent return in more than four years if you had invested in the s p 500 instead you'd be up 57 percent and it's not just ipos from the last four years Take Alibaba. In 2014, when the Chinese e-commerce giant went public, it was the biggest IPO in history. It had set its share price at $68 a share, but in another example of how retail investors get burned, the stock surged 38% that day, and today it still trades below where it closed on day one. That's nearly a decade of dead money. Pinterest stock closed at a little over $24 per share on its first day of trading. From that point, it's up just 8% in the last four years. Part of the story here is incentives, which are aligned to make sure that companies go public at a moment of peaking valuation. It's an exit or liquidity event for founders, investors, and the fee-based investment banks that work on the transaction to maximize the cash out. A down round, i.e. going public or raising money at a lower valuation, it can be seen as catastrophic for a startup. Employees and investors, all of a sudden, they see billions of dollars in paper profits wiped out not to mention the complexity it adds to a cap table. And from a larger perspective, companies want to sell the narrative of growth and positivity. No one wants to be seen as taking a step back, however crucial that might be. It's very difficult because these private company capitalization charts have stacks and stacks of liquidation preference. And it's when you have that 
um, acute of a correction, it's very hard to make this transition. And that's one of the reasons why the IPO market's been slow to get going, because people have to get come to terms with all these things. Another reason for the disparity. Companies, they tend to take advantage of peak hype in their industries. Rivian, for example, was not only wrapped up in the excitement over electric vehicles, but it had two established companies, Ford and Amazon, buying in at the listing and drumming up more excitement. Arm is now hoping to cash in on the latest hype cycle, generative AI. It's like we had a, we had this wild party and there was this massive correction and the party ended except this one group of people kept partying, which is the AI company. And the rounds that are being done in AI are very reminiscent of three or four years ago. And um, there's a lot to be excited about, so I kind of partially understand what's happening, but it also puts a lot of risk. One of those risks might be an overly stretched valuation. Fully diluted, ARM's market cap at listing was $54.5 billion, which means ARM carries a price-to-earnings multiple of about 104. NVIDIA, the AI chip king, is valued at 108 times earnings, while an ETF measuring the performance of the 30 biggest American chip companies has a price-to-earnings ratio of just 25 times. That suggests a huge premium for ARM compared to other chip makers, even as its revenue growth slows. It reported in its prospectus that sales in its latest fiscal year fell 1% from the prior year, while net income, it dropped 22%. But of course, chip makers like NVIDIA have been the undisputed winners of the AI race so far. The area that's been the most rewarding, obviously, has been the hardware. So the people that are working on these foundational models are spending tons of money. So you've seen NVIDIA, you guys talk about it all the time. It really is a picks and shovels type market right now. And the battle on the foundational models is interesting. Instacart could be a more interesting example in this wave of 2023 IPOs. It is already profitable and it's going public at just a quarter of its peak valuation. It already did the nasty work of getting through a down round, several actually, which implies that it's taking into account slower growth and public valuation compression. Instacart's not going public at its peak valuation. Expectations have come down, hype has dissipated. So, is this the model? Or will investors still be holding the bag in 2033? We'll see. We could try to explain what it's like to get your work done on a John Deere mower, compact tractor, or Gator XUV. But to really understand the feeling, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.